0: KVV listeners on the 1060 AM dial, and also take the opportunity to welcome those who are watching us live at www.abundantlifelv.org. Indeed, this is the last Sabbath of 2012, the last Sabbath. This may be the last sermon you hear for 2012. And our preacher, Senior Pastor O'Neill Madden, will be speaking this final message on 2012. We indeed have had a wonderful year of blessings, The Lord has blessed in more ways than we can count. And so for those who are joining us live online or you're listening to this in the afternoon, we want to let you know that God is good. And all the time, God is good. Um, Before we hear from our speaker, We will be favored with a special selection from his loving, lovely wife, Sister Anne Marie Madden. Then we will hear from our speaker, Senior Pastor O'Neill Madden, here.
1: Thank you.
2: Fill my cup, fill my cup. I'd like to thank Sister Anne Marie for a beautiful rendition. Thank you, thank you. I am privileged because um, I hear it every morning. And every evening. It is good to have talent. Sometimes you have to marry what you don't have. And I praise God for that.
1: Stay tuned. God. God. has been good to me. God has been good to us this year. And I did not realize how good he is. I know that I have been
2: taught in that it's have down happy school this year. Until you have journeyed through the wilderness and get back on the main road by the grace of God, you will never understand what wilderness experience really, really is. But I don't know about you. One of the messages that God is teaching me one, one of the first messages that He warned me just two weeks ago. He says, Whatever
1: you learn in this whole Our blessings. In Proverbs six,
2: it tells us that there are six things that the Lord hates. Yea, seven are an abomination. And he mentions the first thing, a proud look. A proud look. And it's my prayer that what God is about to do here in this church... What he's about to do in this city, what he is about to do in your life, in our life, that we don't turn around and say, It is because of me. It's because of God. And so, as we come today at this table to eat, God has a message for us. I am simply his messenger. If you stone the messenger, it will be a bad thing. But God has a message for us. And today as we open ourselves up to the inner sanctum of the sanctuary and allow the Shekinah Shekinah glory of God to emanate from the sanctuary and to touch us, it is my prayer that we will not hold back. It is my prayer that we will not hold out on the Holy Spirit. Today there is someone
1: in this church today To exalt itself, and that your
2: words will come through this vessel in a pure, strong, convicting manner. This will be the last sermon for someone hearing this message today. Help them. To make the right choice that their destiny will be secured in you. Thank you, Father. Lead us now, we pray in Jesus' name.
1: Miles a day, to eat less.
2: Uh, some of us, we have decided that, you know, we're going to make this resolution, you know, we're, gonna, we're not going to let anger get the, the better part of us. And so we started off with these resolutions. We will finish up that degree. Uh, we are going to have uh, family devotions. Uh, We we are going to do all of these things. We're going to start off 2012 with a bang. And we're going to end it with a bigger bang. I remember I told my family that I've been impressed to write a devotional book. And I started off with a bang even before the year began and I started writing and writing and writing and my wife says you think you're going to keep up with this? I
1: said sure. (laughs) And so I said well let me take a break
2: and so I started reading the pre-made stuff and then March came in and then June and, and I think my wife asked me around July, what about the devotion that you were, book you are writing? <laughs> and I believe I said 2013. <laughs> we start out with all these grand plans. And we're saying, that's it, we're moving on. We're not, we're gonna, we're gonna change things up. We're gonna rectify things. Forward ever, backward never. And so we start with these resolutions. And many times, like me, we don't finish. Instead of losing it, we have gained more. Instead of achieving, it seemed that we have stepped many steps backwards. But we're serving a God that has a plan for us, that has a mission for each and every one of us within the hearing of my voice. Everyone. Can you imagine... If we would even spend an entire year under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, doing as the Lord is instructing us, can you imagine if we could spend an entire year just allowing God to lead us in his plans, leading us in his resolutions for our lives? Can you imagine what that year would be like? Just imagine with me, if we just allow ourselves to be used. As that song says, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Imagine that we just allow ourselves to be used by God. And God just to just touch down in our beings and just allow his spirit to navigate our lives. Can you imagine with me what it will be like? The truth be told, many of us, if not all of us, we want God to use us, but we don't want to discipline ourselves. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to surrender certain things. And so we, we, we keep the stuff, but we want the blessing. And God, God wants us to get rid of this stuff. You know, that thing that is blocking between you and your God. Each and every one of us have something. There is something that stands there. And God says, listen, if you could just surrender this. You'll receive all the blessings. If you could just give it all up, that's it. I've dealt with guys and they can't kick the weed and they they say, no man, I can't do it. And the next thing I know, I'm burying them. I mean, just to give it up to God, choose life, and you will truly have abundant life. But we hold on to the stuff. And whatever the stuff is, it just sinks us, cements us in our filth that we can't even move forward. But God has a mission for every single person in this place. While I go through this message, I'm asking you to contemplate on that thing that is holding you back, that is standing between you and your blessing. There is something, there is something. Some, it could be pornography. Some, it could be that cigarette. Some, it could be that illicit relationship. Whatever it is, there is something that stands between us and our blessings. One thing I've noted, whether in Canada, or in the United States, or in Jamaica, wherever I go, generally on the last day of the year, church is packed. There are individuals that come and say, listen, I don't care what I have to do, I have to show up in church. I have to come in and just touch the Lord before it ends. You know, and some, they said, well, I will touch him before it ends and when it begins. But in between, it's my time. It's my time to run wild. It's my time to enjoy life. And somehow, cognitively, we trick ourselves into just showing up at these special occasions, thinking that heaven approves and god wants more from you we give god just like 1% of it and god wants it all and sometimes we we sit back in our mess and we wallow in it and we wonder why aren't we receiving a blessing you know in how many homes i go to and i ask a simple question do you pray together and I look at husband and wife, and they look at each other. And sometimes the kids look at each other. And they don't want to make their parents look too bad, right? And, well, we pray sometimes, do you study together? Do you ministry together? And, and this, these are some of the things that... Actually shows us. These are the thermometers that shows us where the the spiritual indicator is. Do you know the spiritual indicator of a church? Anyone know? The spiritual indicator of the church, based on the pen of inspiration, and it is inspired and I'm talking of Ellen White, she says that, and I'm not saying Eileen White, I'm saying Ellen G. White, the spiritual indicator of the church is the prayer meeting. If you want to evaluate a church, check the prayer meeting out. Check it out for a couple of months and you'll see where it is. And I come to church, and uh, just about the uh, three pews, and, and it's not even filled. You know, we may have about 15 people that come out to Wednesday night prayer meeting. And can you imagine how heaven looks at these things? And heaven is looking and seeing, well, here we have 15 people, but here we have maybe 300 others, and what are they doing? They're watching The X Factor. They're watching American Idol. I don't know what comes on Wednesday night, right? They watch, and I don't, don't tell me, right? Or else you'd admit your guilt, right? <laughs> They're watching all of these things. They're playing all of these things. They're doing everything, you know, but when it comes time to pray, hold back on that. I'm appealing to our church, the Abundant Life Seventh Day Adventist Church, and visitors to, to start thinking differently, to start doing things differently. A few weeks ago, I preached on the topic the comfort zone. And within that message, we talked about what revival and reformation means. And if you remember, I gave the analogy of revival, of uh, imagine someone falling down. Uh, Are you going to try to reform that person by talking about how the person is dressed and so forth? Or are we going to talk about reviving that person? We talked about reviving, breathing in that person, try to get them back to life, revival. And I realized that our church, the abundant life right now, we don't need reformation right now, necessarily. That's not the, the emphasis right now. If you've been listening to my messages right across. It's been about revival. It's been about getting the families back up. It's been about getting the youth back in. It's been about correcting what was done wrong. It's been about getting everybody busy for the master. It's about getting the life, getting Jesus' blood to flow within the vessel of this church and get this church on fire. It's about revival. This is what it's all all about right now, and this is what I'm pushing because I realize this is what Jesus did when he came the first time. When he walked the dusty streets of Jerusalem, he came to revive. He came down and he started pushing the right principles. Too many times we have been pushing individuals outside of the church and we have many disaffected members right now walking all around Vegas thinking that they don't belong in the church. And when God's people, we come down and we sit on these cushy pews worshiping God, not realizing our true mission. Our true mission is not necessarily in here, it's on the outside and we must seek to revive. One of the things that God has placed in my heart in looking deeper into Scripture and understanding that God's people must be revived and then after revival, reformation must come and because if you push revival and you push relationship with Christ and you teach someone to get to know Christ. You know what eventually happens? That relationship with Christ leads to a reformation. Because Christ does the teaching. The Holy Spirit does the teaching. It is not us. There's one thing that I don't do in my studies. And I know it's going to be a very, this is going to be what, pastor? You don't do this? One thing I don't do when I'm studying with someone I don't go and tell them to take off their jewelry. I don't tell them to not paint their nails. I don't tell them how to comb their hair. I don't tell them how to dress. I don't tell them any of these things. What I tell them And who I point them to is Jesus Christ. Because I believe if someone falls in love with Jesus Christ, if someone understands the aroma of Jesus Christ, if someone understands who Jesus is for themselves, Jesus will teach them what to do and what not to do. They don't need to learn it from me. Yeah, they may look and say, wow. I see the way that family dresses and the way they, you know, and they could ask questions. The Holy Spirit will touch them to look at another family and just to see the behavior of that family and try to model themselves accordingly. And this is what Jesus does. we got to understand what we are in here. Too many times we are so happy-go-lucky with our trigger finger You know, to fire away our spiritual weapons, right, at individuals trying to reform that which God did not ask us to reform. Reformation belongs, as you read very clearly, it belongs to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that impresses the heart and shows them exactly what to do. Even conversion. I can't convert anyone. I could preach until I'm blue. And I won't be able to convert you. It is the Holy Spirit that intercedes with groanings that cannot be uttered. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. He is the one that reaches and touches and converts. There are individuals in church today that will stand up. And will say, I want to be baptized. There are individuals that came in today and you know the Holy Spirit is talking to you. I want to be baptized, and I'm, and I'm impressing upon your heart as you go through this message. This message is for you. God is calling you in. You may have been a member of this church and somehow you have been dropped. You need to be baptized. You may be a member that have been censured uh, years ago and no one followed up on you or with you and you just left the church. Well. The doors are open. Welcome back home. Take your seat. We give you the keys. Get back to work. Give you the plow. Get back on the field. We got to work together. Church, one thing I realized when we had our first business meeting last week, my first business meeting with you, and I came and I saw um, a very small percentage of our membership, members, and my heart fell. Because I'm saying, well, you guys don't care about God's business? Well, maybe we didn't give you enough time to make it. But one of the things I'm expecting is 100% of our members to come to business meeting. That's a commercial for the next time. But in our business meeting, I realized something. As we're moving forward, I realized something. We had uh, some issues. And let's say what we used to say, disciplinary issues. Now, I don't use that term discipline anymore. Are uh, we have to censor some members? Well, I don't use the term censorship anymore. Are we going to have to drop some members? Well, I don't use the term dropping anymore. And what we recommended from the church board is that we are going to have what we call, what is it, Pastor? Oh, you remember? Restoration. Restoration Restoration ministry. And so we are promoting the idea that if someone falls into trouble, if a member falls into trouble, that member is in trouble and that member needs to be restored. And so as a church family, we must seek for means and ways to help these individuals within a certain period of time to be restored. And so we got to shoot everything, all the love that is needed to restore that membership, that member. If someone unfortunately gets pregnant, Mm -hmm. and it happens, what do we do? Do we flush them down the toilet? Do we kick them out the door, bar the door? I believe that there needs to be restoration. And so what we need to do now, all our members needs to embrace that person, just like a cell that goes bad in your body, those white blood cells, they surround, right? And take care of business to take care of the body. We need to do the same. We need to show love. And individuals ask questions and so forth. And once the church membership understood that, hey, this whole discipline thing, this whole thing of censorship, this whole thing, it should be seen on the flip side where we are trying to help to keep the members in the church rather than kick them out. We need to try and work with all different means to win them and wean them into back into the fellowship. And I believe if someone falls in this way and we send them a postcard, we miss you and we would love to see you. You know, uh, as someone is, is, is in trouble in that sense and, and a baby, she just had a baby you know, or they just had a baby, and we sent a nice fruit basket over them, over to them, and say, we missed you from your church family, abundant life, uh, a spiritual guardian that is assigned calls up, and we are praying with you. These are things that helps to n- help individuals to know that they're loved. Every single one of us in this church, every one of us. Can I be real? Can I be honest? Every single one of us, we have sinned this week. Yes. You've watched what you should not have watched. Yes. You even visited places that you should not have visited. Some of us even sinned intentionally. Yes. And it's wrong. And when we sinned, Christ cried because you crucified him on the cross. He was nailed to the cross. Your sin, our sin, I'm included, hurt Jesus this week. Every one of us. Some of us, we snuck and we watch pornography. Yes, it's very bad. Some even had disputes with their wives and husbands. Yes, God saw you slap your husband, yeah. And that wasn't right, that wasn't right, it's true. Let's be honest, yeah, yeah, yes, the police actually visited your home because she called the police and the law is when she calls, you're locked up 48 hours. It happened in your neighborhood, but not just in your neighborhood, it happened in your house. Yes. Yes, you rebelled against your parents and you even dropped a few F-bombs. Right? Directed at your father. You disrespected him. You sinned. You messed up. Yeah, that anger that you have, yeah. It got the better of you. All of us have sinned. Every single one of us, we are still, we are all in this mess, and it stinks. It's like not wearing deodorants or putting on deodorant for an entire year. It stinks, and we all could smell it. So why are you trying to hide it? Why don't we realize that all of us were in this mess? Why don't we realize that we have to help each other and when fall when somebody falls down and when somebody's out, down and out, they need help. They need help. They're crying for help. But why do we scoff at them? Why do we try to act like we are better than others? Why do we try to front and behave like we are all righteous and we're, we have all these wings just flying around and we're in heaven already when we stink? And we need heaven's deodorant to clean us up. I should use another analogy. We need heaven's wash rag to wash us then the deodorant, de, deodorant comes, right? <laughs> what I'm saying, and this is not in the script, God is calling us into a real relationship. You know what a real relationship is? Have you been dating a guy or a girl and they're just telling you everything that you want to know? Right? Everything, Right? And so, hey, man, you're a handsome guy, right? You're handsome. Oh, you're beautiful. And you look at each other, and you're just telling each other, oh, man, and you're just throwing everything that they need to know, right? Because you are just presenting the side of things, the facade. But the real thing, you're not talking about, right? A real relationship gets deep, gets real, but it's with tact, right? Sometimes my wife came to me and she says, Well, you know, um, O'Neill, um, I like what you said today. And I like this and like this. I that you could have used another, you know, choice of words. You may not want to use you stink. You could have said you smell and... But she said it in a nice way that, you know, I understand the message. Real relationships get down to the nitty-gritty. It's real. It's, you, you're not faking it. And this is what happens to us too many times. It's, we try to fake it with each other. And then even worse, we try to fake it to God. And you can't fake it with God. But too many of us, we come to church, we sit in the pews, we're singing the songs, we're looking good, our teeth is white, breath is fresh, all nice, and we're faking it. Because God knows the condition of our hearts. He knows that your heart is corrupt. He knows your mind. He knows it all. We can't fake it. And God is calling us into a real relationship, every one of us. You came to church today on the last day of the year, God wants you to be a real person. He doesn't want you just to have that public image. He wants it real. And so, church, as we come to this junction in our lives... And we have made it now, almost making it, into 2013. God wants us to forget all the bad stuff. He wants us to count the blessings, and we're going to talk a little about that. He wants us to count all those wonderful blessings, but all the bad stuff, all these things that hold us down and hold us back, or pull us back into sin, or pull us back into who we should not be, God wants us to forget those things. And he wants us to press on. And so, therefore, it is forward ever, backward never. And so, as we come here, we're not coming to blame this body or that body. We're here to glorify God. We truly want to see God glorified in our lives. Are you with me, everyone? Yes, sir. And so, as we come here... I want to pick this up and I'm just going to give you a brief synopsis because I got to cut things short because there are some things that we're going to have to discuss and I need time. But I want to drop this on you. I'd like you to open up to the first book of Kings, chapter 13. The first book of Kings, chapter 13. In this book, First Kings, chapter 13, it says here, I won't be keeping you long. And it says here, there was this man of God that came out of Judah. First Kings chapter 13, verse 1. This man of God that came out of Judah. And he came out of Judah, and by the word of God, he came unto Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. And Jeroboam stood. He was the king. He stood before the altar to burn incense. And the man of God cried, cried against the altar. Verse 1. 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. I still hear your Bibles turning. And he cried against the altar. He cried against the altar in the word of the Lord and says, O altar, O altar, thus saith the word of the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Joash by name, and unto thee shall he offer the priests, of the high places that burn incense up on it, the altar, and men's bones shall be burned up on it, the very same altar, and he gave a sign the same day saying, this shall be the sign which the Lord has spoken, behold the altar shall be rent, shall be torn, and the ash The ashes that is up on it shall be poured out. And it came to pass, when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God, which he had cried against the altar at Bethel, that he put forth his hand, and as he put forth his hand against him, his hand dried up, so that he could not pull it again unto him. The altar also was rent, and the ashes poured out, as he said, according to the sign of the man of God. And the king answered and said unto the man of God, Entreat now the face of the Lord thy God, and pray for me that my hand be restored again. And the man of God besought the Lord, and the king's hand was restored again, and became as it was before. And when we read this text, it's a powerful text. This man of God, he was called to go forth. And he went and he preached. He preached with power and vigor. And when he preached to the Jeroboam about what was happening in this place and he gave the prophecy, the king was insulted. Now, let me tell you something. Back then, whenever a messenger brought a message to a king that that displeased the king, his life was on the line. And Jeroboam stood up and he was about to cast judgment. Seize this man. And while he was in the process of judgment, the one who is higher than he is, the one who stands tall, taller than any other king, the one who is the Lord of lords, the king of all kings, he rendered a judgment. And he says that king's hand must be frozen immediately. And I don't know how God did it, but the king's hand dried up. And it was stuck in space. The king could not pull it back, nor could he push it forward. He couldn't run, he couldn't hide. There was judgment up on this king. And the king now, he recognized that he was dealing with a power greater than himself. He cried out to the messenger, the man of God. And as he cried out to the messenger, and I'll just tell you the story. He cried out to the messenger, please restore my hand. The man of God implored the God of heaven, the king of kings, and the king's hand was restored. The king now recognized that. What am I dealing with? He said to the man of God, Come, please, let's let's sit down and eat. And you know, let I want to hear your story. And as the narrative of the story goes on, the man of God says, No, the Lord has instructed me that where I came from, I cannot return. The Lord has told me that I need to be forward ever, backward never. The Lord has instructed me that I have a mission. I am made for a mission and I need to move forward. The Lord has instructed me that I cannot go back to all the woes and all the whips and all the things that I received in 2012, I need to move forward. The Lord has instructed me that the mess that I left back in 2012, I can't go back. I have to move forward to 2013. The Lord has told me that I have a mission. The Lord has told me that I have something. He has given me the power of the Holy Ghost and I need to be about God's business. I need to move forward. I cannot go back I can't go back I cannot fall back there are too many of us that's at this point we are living in the past we're living in the past because of what uh, past presidents have done If, if, if George Bush did not you know pass these laws I would have been working now and we're living in the back and when God has given you the ability to retool yourself to reinvent yourself, and to move forward, we're living in the past. Some of us, we're living in the past, failed relationship, oh yes, in the past, but God wants you to move forward. Yes, you may have failed grade five, like me, right, but God wants you to move forward, that when you get to grade seven, you could skip over grade eight into grade nine, and move forward. God wants you to move forward, But too many of us, we are living in the past. Past failures, past marriages, past whatever. God wants us to move forward. He has given you life. He has maintained your life and sustained you to this point. And here you are just about to step into the new year. And God wants to create a new reality in your life. But are we holding back? Are we holding back the hands of God? God wants us to let go and let God. But are we letting God? And so this man of God now, he went and he tore up Bethel with his message and then he continued, told the king that, listen, the Lord has instructed me that I cannot stay. I should not stay, I need to move forward. And so the man of God went forward with great zeal now onto the next mission. And there was an old prophet in Bethel. Watch out and be careful of old prophets. Old prophets. You see, there's a problem with old prophets. You see, old prophets at times, they they are thinking back on the times when they were back in wherever they came from. Maybe back in Jamaica. I remember back in the old days when this used to happen, when the Lord used to speak to me. Uh, Back in the days when when, uh, the church used to be like this, and we used to do this, we used to sing these songs, we used to worship this way, and they keep themselves in the past. Watch out for old prophets. And there was an old prophet that heard about this man of God, and he was curious. And he came, he called his sons and said, hey, where did this man go? And his sons knew, and they directed him, and the man saddled, asked his son to saddle the donkey, and he jumped on the donkey ran out, went after the man of God, found the man of God under an oak tree. Now an oak tree back then was a, a tree that people worshipped as a false god. Now, I'm not reading into symbolisms under that, but you could read it for yourself. He was resting under an oak tree. And while he was under this oak tree, the man, this old prophet came to him and told him, Hey, come, and I heard what you have been doing and so forth. Come and have some food with me. Come and rest a while. And so the man of God says, Well, listen, you know, I have been instructed by the Most High God that I should not go back where I came from. Neither should I eat or drink anything. And so what that old prophet said now, he said, Well, last night an angel appeared unto me. And this angel told me that you need to come back to my house. And you need to come back and fellowship with me and eat with me and rest. And the man of God was convinced by this old prophet, and he went back, and the Bible says that the old prophet lied. Now, I don't know what angel came to that old prophet, but it's not an angel of God. We got to understand that there are some angels that's flying around that may look good, may sound good, but they are not of God. There may some, be some angel, they are so handsome and with the deep voice and, you know, the, the Denzel Washington swag and smile, and, and, but they may look good. But you are not to touch them. You are not to entertain them. There, there may be some angels looking like Halle Berry that will cause your heart to sink. And oh man, you'll you just think that they are just, they're just straight from heaven not knowing that they are angels of the devil. And so people, we got to understand. We, gotta listen. we have to listen to the word of God. Whatever God's word says we must do. And so too many times we find ourselves locked into, the, into our traditional mold and thinking that, hey, we have it all figured out. And so, yes, yeah, Sunday we are worshiping, but God didn't tell you to worship on Sunday. He told you to worship every day. He told you to worship every day, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and he told you to rest on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is a day of rest and he has never changed. But too many times we invent things. We create things to our own doom. And so this prophet went back with this old prophet to his house. And while they were eating, God decided to visit the old prophet and to speak truth. I don't understand how the scripture works, but that's what it says. And the Spirit of God came into the old prophet. And the prophet now, this old prophet prophesied and said, You are going to die because you disobeyed my counsel. You are going to be dead by this time tomorrow. And he gave the the prophecy that this man of God, because he turned back, Because he turned back to what he should not have turned back to. His life is on the line. The the discouraged prophet got up and left. And so said, so done, a lion met him on the way and killed him. Left his donkey alive. And the donkey had, the, the, the lion had the audacity To stand there and the lion stood there at one side the donkey at the other side and the man of God dead possibilities God had great possibility for this man of God God told him that he should not turn back Just like Lot's wife, don't look back, but she looked back. And you know what happened? She turned into a pillar of salt. God told this man not to turn back, but he turned back. And his life ended. God wanted to do so much in this life. He wanted this man to win Betel and beyond. God had a mission for this man, but he was disobedient. There are people in this church today, myself included, and God is calling us into a mission. He, wants, he has a bright future for you. But we are, we are stuck on the pew, and we are looking back at the failures. We are saying, this church, they treated me so wrong, and you want me to come back to this church? Yes. Because God has a mission for you. You may be listening right now online. And you're saying, listen, I'm not coming to that church anymore. I'll listen to the broadcast. God is calling you. He's calling you back. Because God has a mission for you. If we could just see things the way God sees things. I'm telling you. You'll see all the things that you go through in life here, it's nothing, nothing compared to the heaven that you have to gain. And I'm telling you, folks, God has a calling upon our lives. And if God's people, if we should just get it together, I'm telling you, there's nothing that we cannot accomplish. And so this man of God stands now as a testimony of what God could have done in the life of someone if they had continued on the journey, if they had continued on the calling. But this man of God, he turned back. The Bible tells you, you could read the rest of the story, it's good, finish it up. The Bible tells us in our scripture reading, Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, 13 and 14, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. And I'm finishing up. This is my last text. But this one thing I do, this one thing that I do, Paul is saying, and Paul was a Saul. Remember, he was a murderer. He was a killer. He was this guy that was taking Christians by the ears right, or by whatever he could grab them by, and he would lock them in prison, and he would even see to their deaths, because these Christians, they're not going to go up and preach up in Jerusalem around here, not while I'm here, and Paul was, I'm telling you, he was a serious dude. This guy, I mean, he was well-learned, well-schooled, and Paul said, listen, I'm going to wipe out these Christians, but God met him on the Damascus Road, and when the Lord met him on the road, he blinded him. And after a few days of blindness, three days, the Lord caused him to receive his sight. And Paul turned to Saul and he was never the same again. And so he is the same author now that is writing and he's saying, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are before, I press To the mark of the price of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to understand the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He is saying specifically, I am leaving those things that are behind. Forgetting those things which are behind. Those things which are behind. On one hand. And with the same amount of words, he's saying, I am reaching forward to those things that are before. Now, the interesting thing, if you study, and we have to take time to do that, but I don't have time now. If you study what those things are behind, the things that are behind, study on that. And those things that are before, those things, quote, unquote, those things, what are the things that hold us back? What are the things? Today, some of us, you're going to hear the appeal. Whether on the radio or on the broadcast or in the church, you're going to hear the appeal. And some of us, we are going to hold back because of those things. We are going to hold back because of those things. What are those things? Well, my life is not right. You know, I'm not living a right life. These are those things. You know, I, 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 I have not overcome alcohol yet. You know, I, I have not given up the, 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 the weed and all of these things. And we think that these things have greater power on us than God. And God could, in a moment, give it away. He could help you to overcome. Those things, these things, these besetting things that hold us back, Paul is saying, listen, I'm going to forget all those things that's holding me back. I'm going to forget about those things that that is keeping me from moving forward. And I am going to press, and in one translation, I believe it's the NIV, it says stretching forth. Stretching forward to those things that are before. What are those things that are before? God has given us so much power. So much power. More than we can ever imagine. So much power. And if we just realize the power that God has in our lives. Our life will be a lot differently, different. And I'm, I'm saying this to you folks. I'm tired of living this life that's just, uh, I mean, you're just barely living. You're just barely surviving. And we're comfortable with it. We're comfortable in this life. And you say, well, the Lord has afforded me another week. And you have no hopes of your life getting better. God wants you to have abundant life. There's a reason why this name, the church, is named Abundant Life. He doesn't want you to be living just this ordinary life. He wants you to live abundantly. And today, we have an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not going to have any long appeals, but don't hold back on God. God is calling someone today, a few men, women, to stand up today. There is a time you have come now at this end of the road, the end of this year, right now. There is not going to be no more 2012 and who knows let's pray that you make it into 2013 god has called us called each and every one of us here right now how will you enter 2013 are you going to enter 2013 in the same manner or in the same manner that <coughs> you finished 2012 in god is calling us and today i'm asking the Holy Spirit is asking and he is, has been massaging your hearts right now. There are individuals today, right now, wherever you're hearing this message online, and I'm looking straight at you, whether you're hearing on the radio, the Lord wants you to stand up for him today. He wants you to stand up and say, listen, forget about the past. Forward ever, backward never. I'm standing for God. If you're living in an illicit relationship, I don't care who is, nobody is going to hold me back. I'm standing up for God. I'm giving my life to God today. Today, today, I am not going to waste time. It doesn't matter how old I am. It doesn't matter how young I am. Today, the call is going out, and I'm responding to heaven. The Lord it wants to bless your life. And you want to stand for God today. I want to give you the opportunity to stand for Him. You're standing and saying, listen, I want to be renewed. I'm going to show up next week at roll call. And I'm going to be standing proud. Proud. Because of what God has in store for me. I want to stand for Him today. Will you not stand for God today? The Lord is calling you to stand. He's calling you into a brand new experience. He's calling you to renew your life. This is what it's all about, folks. This is renewal. This is time where we don't want to miss the role. God is calling us, young and old. He's calling us to stand. Won't you stand for Christ today? The Lord wants to give you a brand new experience. A brand new experience won't you stand for him today (laughs) he wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit you came to church today and you never thought that the Holy Spirit was gonna come and lick you on the backside of your head but today the Holy Spirit wants to give you a holy whooping for the Lord will you not stand for him today now I see individuals standing. But you want to make a bold stand now. And you want to say, listen Lord. Today. I'm taking a stand for you. I'm not going to be like a dog going back to his vomit. But I want to come forward. And I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized I'm entering into 2013 brand new and nothing is going to stop me. I'm asking you to come forward. I'm asking you to come forward. Come forward. The Lord is calling you right now. Come forward. He's calling you right now. Come forward. Come forward. The Lord wants to do something in your life. Won't you come? You may be in this church, praise God, for all these years. And you're saying, listen, I'm not going to go back anymore. I'm moving forward. Will you not come? Will you not come to the Lord today? Today. The Lord is calling you. His calling is up on your life right now. If you're listening online, send an email to this church. And say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to be baptized. I want to be prepared. Send the email. On the radio, give a call. The Lord is calling you today. Won't you come to the Lord? Will you not come? Will you not come? The Lord is calling you. He is calling you today. He is calling you today. Praise God. Will you not come? the Lord wants to renew in your life a brand new experience. Church, I know I'm prolonging, but I know that there are folks in this church, you know you need to be up here. You know that 2012, you almost died. Those bullets that were flying, yes, one of them was for you, but praise God it did not come into your head but you're here today why are you holding back God wants you here won't you come the Lord is inviting you to come church I'm inviting you to pray bow your heads Holy Spirit, right now, He is touching someone's heart. If you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts. Please, please. I'm not here. This is not my job, this is my ministry. And I'm not here to show off anything. I don't have what to show off. But the Holy Spirit is calling you now into a brand new experience. Will you not come to Christ today? Please, the Holy Spirit is calling you right now. You know the kind of year that it has been. Yes, you have been baptized, members of the church, but you know that you need to be rebaptized. I'm inviting you to come. You know you need to be rebaptized. Please come to the Lord today. You want to show up at roll call, and one day on that final day, When the roll is called up yonder. I want to be there. Will you not come? The Lord is calling you right now. Father in heaven I pray. That young man. That young woman. That person that is holding out Lord I pray. Please Lord. Heaven is pleading right now. Their salvation is on the line. Lord I pray that you will help them Lord that they will be able by your grace and your power Lord they will just wiggle their way away from the the devil from the enemy Lord and run to you father please we know you want to give life and you want to give it more abundantly Lord please Lord I plead with you now please father please we pray for deliverance Lord, there are families, Lord, in this place. Families that need to come and surrender their all, Lord. Please, I'm pleading for families, Lord. Father taking the hand of his wife and his children, leading them up to be renewed. Come today to the Lord. You perhaps came to church for the first time today and you know God is calling you you know that you should be up here I'm inviting you to come there's some that's waiting they're waiting, waiting and praying for me to end this appeal oh but father I'm holding out for that person that family please come to the Lord today come as I walk down the aisle today I want somebody to take my hand, somebody to take my hand, take my hand. Take my hand, take my hand, take my hand, take my hand, hand. praise the Lord. I want somebody to take my hand. As I come down the aisle today, the Holy Spirit is walking and He is weaving up and down the aisle and He wants somebody, somebody to take my hand. Take the hand of the preacher. Today, won't you come? This can be the last call. Your life, the breath that you are breathing right now could be your last. Won't you take my hand? For some reason, I'm impressed to hang out in this spot. There's someone. There's someone around here. The Holy Spirit is talking to me. There is someone here that is holding out. And the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your life. I don't know what it is. 2013 is your year. Will you not come? I'm inviting you. Everyone, close your eyes. There's someone that needs to be here. Will you not come? Young man, young woman, the Lord is calling you. He's calling you. I'm inviting you to come. I'm inviting you to come. Right there in the back, someone is holding out. The devil is setting a wall around someone and they are holding back. The Lord is calling you to come. He is calling you to come. Praise God. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. I know time is gone, but when it comes to a soul who cares about time, The Lord is calling you. He's calling you into renewal. I'm pleading with you. I'm pleading with you. The Holy Spirit is pleading with you. Will you not come? This is renewal time. Please everyone. pray. As I
1: walk down here in this aisle, will you? Not-